Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. I have been preaching a series of sermons from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. This is the third sermon in that series. I want us to turn again to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. It says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. We return to the overarching theme, the economics of grace, the economics of grace, uh, because this is a passage that deals with the distribution, the consumption of wealth in the spiritual realm. And part three, I am tagging as the release of Christ's provision. The release of Christ's provision. Part one was the riches of Christ's person. Part two was the revelation of Christ's poverty. That's what we looked at last week. And as we looked at part two last week, we learned that Christ experienced poverty. The Lord Jesus Christ experienced poverty in a number of ways. When we asked the text the question in the larger context of the word of God, the question, in what way did he become poor? What we learned is that he became poor, first of all, in the intimacy of his heavenly relationships because something mysterious, we can't really grasp it. It is so beyond our comprehension, but something happened in his relationship in the triune union of God. We see the apex of it in his cry from the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so there was poverty in the intimacy of his heavenly relationships. There is also poverty in the incarnation of his human revelation because he was born as a man and took on the form of a servant. And the point I made last week is that so reflective of this poverty is that throughout his life, he borrowed things. He borrowed things. And at the end, at the end of his mission on earth, he borrowed a cross. And you know why he borrowed a cross? Because it was a cross that did not belong to him. Uh, it belonged to you and it belonged to me because he was at all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He was not worthy of that cross, but he bore that cross because of you and me. And then he experienced poverty in the implementation of his holy redemption because he died in excruciating death on the cross, a cross that was not his because of his love for us. And so our ancestors would sing Calvary, Calvary, surely he died on Calvary. And so today we come to the final movement of this text and the phrase jumps out before us, the very last phrase in the text, which says that through his poverty we might become rich. Through his poverty, we might become rich. It's reported that after his death, the death of John D. Rockefeller, that someone asked his estate attorney, 
how much did he leave? And uh, the attorney, some would say being sarcastic, said everything. <laughs> how much did he leave behind? Everything. And by the way, it's the same amount you and I are going to leave behind. <laughs> but as I thought about that on a much more profounder level, and a much more serious note, when you think about what Jesus left, he left everything. Not only did he leave everything in glory, but he left everything here. There's nothing he held back for you or for me. In order to redeem us from sin, he placed it all on the altar of sacrifice. His voluntary and willful abasement, his undeserved shame and suffering, all of this on the basis of his love for us, everything and his everything offering is the basis of unfathomable provision for each of us today. And this morning, as we consider aspects of this provision, there's three images that I want to deal with as we try to comprehend how vast this provision is, how, how abundant this provision is. First of all, when we look at the provision and the release of it, there is a treasured triumph, a treasured triumph. Every time I read it at the end of Isaiah's moving messianic hymn to the life of the suffering savior and servant and how the father responded to his sorrow, to his sacrifice and to his silence and suffering, I read these words, I'm always moved. It says, therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. Those words occur right at the end of Isaiah 53 when he opens it by saying, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? But here it says, he will divide him a portion with the great and he shall, the son shall, divide the spoil with the strong. What Isaiah does here is he evokes a military image. And what is that image? It is the image of a conquering general, a conquering general, who upon returning from the battle, returning with his troops, having conquered the enemy, the opposition, the spoils of victory are divided among the soldiers. You know, this same language is used in the Gospels particularly in the gospel of Mark, Jesus says in the gospel to his critics, he says, no man can enter into a strong man's house unless he binds the strong man. And then when he binds the strong man, he can spoil his goods. See, this text that we've been looking at for three weeks is just another way of expressing in the New Testament how the Lord has bound the strong man, the strong man that you and I couldn't handle, this strong man that, that worldly wisdom couldn't handle, he came down and bound him, and he spoiled his goods. A few years ago, I looked at this text, and I said, it's just a bust. Y'all know what a bust is. I hope you haven't been in one, but B-U-S-T. It's a bust. Because B-U-S-T stands for blessings under satanic tyranny. And what he did is busted that. And everything that the devil had taken from us, the Lord took it back. He took it back. He took back stolen property. And we have the same image there. We have the same image in Ephesians where Paul says that the ascended Christ 
led captivity captive. He quotes from Psalm 68, stanza 18. He says he led captivity captive and he gave gifts. He looks back at his church. That's why no church should have to beg, barter, and steal. God has given us everything we need. It's all in here. All the gifts, all the resources, everything we need is here. It can be said of any local church, but he led captivity captive, and as he ascended, the Bible says he gave gifts. He gave gifts unto men. When I was growing up in West Tennessee, and we didn't have video games, and there was probably, particularly when I was eight, nine years old, one television in the neighborhood, it was black and white. I'm not talking about the outside of the television. <laughs> so we didn't have all the luxuries and amenities that, that our young people today are so accustomed to. They just, they just take them for granted. We had to create our own games. It was amazing how you could spend an afternoon riding a stick named Trigger. And sometimes we would roll tires and, and you were somebody if you had a white wall to roll. But there were some Sunday afternoons we played baseball and, and we choose teams and the idea was you wanted to get the best player on your team. And you knew who had what gifts in the family and in the neighborhood so, so we had a way of choosing up and then you choose, you get the first choice, and that first choice gave you a great advantage. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that I have the best player on my team. I have the best player on my team, and his name is Jesus. Because he's on my team, the game might go into overtime, but we're going to win. He's the best player. He's on my team. I'm telling you today, because of this provision, that he has released for us. We're not losers, we're winners. And so we should act like winners. We should live like winners. We should worship like winners. We should pray like winners. And because it's a stewardship series, I'm going to say this. We should give. We should give like winners. Not like losers. And so when we see this through his poverty, we become rich. I want you to see, first of all, there is a treasured triumph, but there's also a treasured trust. Not just a treasured triumph, but a treasured trust. While the first image that I've shared with you is drawn from the military, the second one that supports this text in its larger context in the New Testament is a judicial or legal image. As members of God's family, we are children, and according to the word of God, royal family. I love the way Paul says it in Romans 8 and 17. He says, we are heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. We are the bountiful beneficiaries of a living trust whose riches are unsearchable. Listen to how the message translates Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 17. It says, through the spirit of Christ, through the spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can live all out for God. Like a will that takes effect when someone dies, the new covenant was put into action at Jesus' death. His death marked the transition from the old plan to the new one. 
canceling the old obligations and accompanying sins and summoning the heirs to receive the internal inheritance that was promised to them. He brought together God and his people in this new way. I'm telling you, we're heirs. We're heirs with God and we're joint heirs with Christ. Because of this treasure, trust all things are possible in him. That's why on the basis of this, Paul could say, I can do. When you look at the trust, when you look at how we've been written into this living trust, we can say all things are possible and I can do all things through him. That strengthened me a few centuries earlier. This is why David could say, I've been young and now I'm old, but two things I've never seen is the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Do I have any witnesses here that there's nothing too hard for God? Whatever you need, God's got it. Whatever you want in his will, God can provide it. There's nothing too hard for him. He's ridden us in the will. The problem is our perspectives are flawed. The cartoon series Lola, written by Steve Dickinson and Todd Clark. Lola is salty and, and she's sassy. She's quite a character. Her grandson Sammy came to her and Sammy said to her, to his grandmother, says, love really worth it? And Lola responded, worth what? Sammy said, the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, the highs and the lows. And Lola said, it's all worth it when the insurance kicks in. <laughs> and Sammy looked with a concerned look on his face. He said, I want to know about the short-term investment. <laughs> Some of us are so enamored and so exercised by the short-term investment that we don't take the long view. We are members of a treasure trust and the gains are eternal. Our father's rich in houses and land. He holds the power of the world in his hand. All things belong to him. And because we're his and he is God, all things belong to us. I'm so glad that my name, see when you get saved and we're baptizing this morning, you, when we get saved, and I know the evangelism ministry, uh, when, these, when these candidates came and acknowledged a need for Christ, they filled out a form. But the Bible says that heaven filled out a form. And there's a record in glory where your name has been written in the book of life. And, and that's the only record that really matters. Other records will go and be placed into archives. But I tell you, when your name has been written on heaven's roll, you become a member of this treasured trust. Paul says it's an eternal inheritance that God has made available to his saints. So there's a treasure triumph and there's a treasure trust, but in what other way does his poverty make us rich? There's a treasure transformation, a treasure transformation. The last image that communicates the release of Christ's provision in this text is drawn from the field of agriculture. When you have an opportunity to read John chapter 12, verses 24 and following, and let me set up the context Inquiring Greeks have come to Jesus. They want to know more about his ministry. He doesn't answer their question directly. He answers it indirectly as he thinks about the sacrifice that he's about to make for all of us. 
He says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And then he went on to say, he who would love his life will lose his life. But the one who loses his life will gain his life. God offers us in this final movement of our text as we look at the treasure triumph and the treasure trust, but also a treasure transformation. He offers us as we lose ourselves in him. And this is the challenge every day of our Christian life is to say, not my will, but your will be done. He offers us new possibilities. He offers us new potential. He offers us new perspectives. It's what Paul was talking about when he says, old things are passed away and all things have become new. I'm intrigued by the story of a woman named Osceola McCarty. She's passed away now. She's gone on to be with the Lord. But this woman worked as a washerwoman. She worked as a washerwoman for doing laundry for people, this black woman, for 75 years. From the time she left school until she left school in the sixth grade, an arthritis forced her to stop doing laundry in 1994. But this woman who, who just made pennies and dollars doing laundry, the very next year after she could no longer do it, she had saved $150,000. And she donated it to the University of Southern Mississippi to endow a scholarship for deserving African-American students. She had saved the money and invested it carefully. And although she had never left Mississippi, but once in her lifetime, she subsequently traveled through the United States. And in 1996, when the Olympics came to Atlanta, she was one of the torchbearers. And she received an honorary doctorate from Harvard University. She was not no John D. Rockefeller, but she had a love for God and a love for young people in her heart. And just with pities from her laundry work, she was able to endow a scholarship. You know what amazes me is how our ancestors did so much with so little and how we do so little with so much. A tragic transformation. It happens when we take our eyes off of self and we say, God, to you I live, to you I die. And we began to think about what we can do to bless somebody else. You want to know how to get ahead. You want to know how to be blessed. The primary characteristic of the primary qualification is just take the eye off of you and start thinking about what I can do to bless somebody else. And God will bless you. She was willing, and she had a gracious heart, and she planted her seed in the soil of God's providence, exercised wisdom, and God multiplied it. There is a treasure transformation. As Jesus releases these resources, and provides for us on the basis of his poverty, on the basis of his love. A few years ago, somebody wrote me a check and it was a fairly nice amount. 
And I needed the money right away. But I was disappointed when I went to the bank and I had been banking this place for a while. And uh, they took the check and they said, the money won't be available right away. Say, help me, Jesus. I said, well, how long? They said, well, as long as it takes for the check to clear that bank. He says, when it clears the bank, then the money will be available in your account. I thought about that this morning as I thought about the release of these provisions. I had money in my account, but I couldn't cash the check. Because of sin, I, like you, had sin and come short of the glory of God. But there was a bank in heaven. Do we have a witness here? And the check was written in the name of Jesus. And when the check cleared, and y'all know how it cleared when he died. That's how the check cleared on a hill called Cal When he died on that Friday, the check was cleared. And, and God looked at my sins and said, it's all right. Because he who had no sin was made sin for you that you might be made the righteous of God. And now, I wish I had somebody here, and now the money is available in my account. And every now and then, I write a check. And I'm here to tell you, no check I've written on that account has ever bounced. Every now and then, I write it. And the funds are covered. Because when Jesus died, when his poverty was offered on a hill called Calvary, the funds were placed in my account. But not just mine, all of us. And if we would come to Jesus, whatever you need, God will bless you. And not only will bless you, but will create in you a desire to be a blessing to somebody else. Paul builds on this argument and says, listen, all God wants from you, even if you don't have the resources, he says, all God wants from you is a willing heart. He says, if you just offer God, perhaps you've made decisions that have somehow cramped or handicapped your ability to respond as you like. He says, if you just offer God a willing heart, he'll bless you for not what you have, but what you don't have. That's how good God is. And he does it because he became poor so that through his poverty, we might become rich. I'm rich. I'm loaded this morning. And sometimes the devil tries to tell me I'm not, but I am. Every check I write on the check account called Jesus, the Lord honors it because he's able. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.